Welcome to the podcast with us this week, Bree Crow. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you. For I'm really excited because this is the very first slow motion podcast that we're doing. Is that right? <laughs> Did I say that right? <laughs> nailed it. Do you nailed it. sound slow-mo. <laughs> Hello, Bree. I could probably do that. That's legit. Uh, yeah, we are. We have our tech being, uh, influencer guru here with us, Bree Crow. She's uh, doing a time lapse of our recording. I think calling me an influencer might that might be a first. I don't know. That <laughs> might be a stretch, but I mean, I you're know. doing I mean, more. Get, yeah, I mean, you the, get lots more LinkedIn engagement than I do. <laughs> the fact that you have gear with you. This yeah. is true. For your, for your social thing. Consistency on LinkedIn reigns king. I'll tell oh, you. Oh, this is for LinkedIn. Yeah. Dang, dude. Yeah. That's legit. <laughs> <laughs> That's legit. Yeah, LinkedIn paid me to be here. So. <laughs> really? Sponsored by LinkedIn. Just kidding. LinkedIn, give us money. It'd be super cool if then you like. You can sponsor. We're less expensive. <laughs> no joke. No joke. On that note, welcome yeah. to the podcast. For anyone who doesn't know you, uh, Bree is the owner of her very own business called TBO Ventures. Um, I will let her tell you all about what she does in that. She also does uh, photography. She runs a photography business. Um, she does some beautiful work, everything from like lifestyle shoots to headshots for businesses. Um, in addition to running a nonprofit org that she started a couple of years ago now yeah. uh, called Women's Technology Coalition, Women's Tech Co. Um, Bree and I have been colleagues in the startup community and kind of the technical recruiting community for many years. So I have watched her just absolutely crush it uh in the last probably five or six years now gosh it's been a really long time so we thought who better to have on the podcast to come talk to us about tech and talent and the importance of diversity and inclusion and yes. all of those kinds of things and uh how hiring good people uh, makes for potentially good products and good businesses and things like that so. it cannot be emphasized enough seriously when we talk about design especially and what technology is and the future of technology um diversity and inclusion just absolutely has to be a part of that conversation yeah absolutely <laughs> so tell us a little bit about some of the stuff that you do so what's what's tbo ventures what's women tech uh, women's tech co talk to us about some of that stuff yeah so i started tbo ventures it's almost a year and a half now i thought about having a one-year like party to celebrate and then i was like wait a second two years <laughs> is actually when really the, the statistics get pretty depressing about women-owned businesses. So I was like, okay. let's make it two years and then we can uh, we can throw a few back. So <laughs> um, stay tuned for an October invite for that. I'll contribute um, to the balloon <clears throat> fund for that. But yes, so I'm really focused on building it to be a distributed yet hands-on type of agency of experts and partners who serve technology, small to medium-sized businesses and having an inclusive approach to hiring employees. You know, I really think that humans are multidimensional, but also so should your hiring process be multidimensional in the way that you're bringing people into your business. And so, you know, I've been nine years in staffing and recruiting specifically in the technology world. And, um, you know, I think there's a little bit to be desired and what people, you know, both candidates and employers get from the staffing agencies that they work with. Um, and so that's what I've built out, you know, a service offering that I think touches on a lot of things that aren't being addressed right now in what would be maybe a traditional um, staffing agency. And that's what I'm actually pretty, I would <clears throat> almost prefer, I, I don't want to be considered as a staffing agency mm -hmm. because I really want to be focused on talent acquisition and the consulting piece that has a proactive approach. And it has to start with some earlier steps then we're ready to hire 
Yeah. Find us people. For sure. <laughs> For sure. So how does Women's Tech Co. kind of fit into that equation? So, you know, I have been involved in Women in Tech initiatives since about 2011, actually, um, and got involved with Women in Technology International. So, and then I took over the director role in 2015 for Witty Dallas. Witty! And, um, you know, I think the community still exists today that just for a multitude of reasons, personally, just... Uh, I don't know, other than (laughs) reporting to a Jeff, David, and a Henry. um, (laughs) uh, I mean, they obviously know a lot about women. Yeah, so several different reasons, but um, it led me into, you know, figuring out the way that I wanted to do it and how I wanted to serve the Dallas community specifically. So in 2017, launched that, and really out of the passion of, there's all these separate groups um, that have niche areas of expertise, but there has to be some sort of cohesion and being able to bring people together. And whether it's introducing coworkers to each other who are sitting in different departments or being able to have those um, diverse aspects where it's maybe the Society of Hispanic Professional Engineers, shout out to Brianne Martin, um, <laughs> you know, the National Black MBA Association, there's the PMI Institute. You know, we talk about living and leading consciously inclusive. Yeah. And going out of your way in order to be inclusive. And so, and I'm also of the, the belief that just because you're not in the IT department doesn't mean that you're not involved in technology. In fact, you can't think that way because if you're in marketing, you're doing automation. <clears throat> if you're in finance, you're doing SQL queries and they're only going to continue to advance. Yeah. And unless you're figuring out how you can leverage technology better, then you're gonna be left behind. And so I started it saying your career is a journey, be the driver. And I mean, I also love just like cars, but (laughs) somewhat selfish, but, but I really do think that I wanna be able to empower people to rather than just your, if your career is a journey, it's a winding path, why be the passenger when you can try and really figure out how to be the driver and decide where you want to take your career? So that's what we've been doing with Women's Tech Co. We've done evening events um, with partners who are those coalition partners are those niche communities that I mentioned. But also um, I started doing a commonality lunch and I'll be totally honest. I was like, I love experimenting. So I was like, let's do this commonality lunch and it'll just be like, you don't have to RSVP, just show up if you're interested in coming. And it was also inspired by a Friday lunch that Mo- the Molly Kane um, used to host before she she left DFW and sometimes it was only me you know when I launched it beginning of 2018 so it was just me and then now we consistently um, sell it out so you change the structure of that once a month on the third Wednesday of every month we have our commonality lunch with a featured guest and it's not a speaker it's a roundtable discussion. We limit attendees to 15 people to where it can be like an intimate discussion around different topics. And so that's been really exciting to see because I've seen actually the most um, engagement and just moving the needle, right? Like the yeah. impact of that is not a 70-person event. It's been with these 15-people luncheons. It's been a lot of fun. So talk to us a little bit about, obviously, inclusion is important to you and representation. Part of the reason why you shifted away from some of the witty stuff was to kind of uh, maybe try to create something that felt a little bit more authentic and represented by the people it was supposed to be helping. Nailed it. (laughs) Nailed it. Can you talk to us a little bit about what some of those efforts um, through Women's Tech Co. and maybe even through some of the TBO Venture stuff, what are you seeing now as businesses are starting to... I'll go aggressive. I'll say smarten up uh, and realize that representation not only matters, um, but it's just a good business practice. How does that influence some of the work that you're doing? Yeah. And a business imperative. Um, You know, I think 
it's even it's in those early conversations rather than we're interested in in sponsoring an event they're trying to figure out like how are you reaching folks how are you talking to them how are we how can we get them involved um you know and i think a lot of it is especially coming from staffing and recruiting but also just overall is what does someone who's in tech look like? That profile is a little bit different. It could be a teacher who has moved away from being a teacher, gone and done a coding boot camp or some self-exploration on Coursera and whatnot to be able to get that understanding and is trying to get into tech. Yeah. So they may show up to one of our events and are like, I have no idea what to do, but I'm here and trying to plug in. Um, And I think that as that is happening, when I have an employer come and we're talking about sponsorship or how they can get involved with Women's Techco and support it, that's generally the avenue they're wanting to talk about. And they're like, who's it, who's who's attending? And I'm like, you know, it's anyone from individual contributors all the way up through kind of lower middle management. And I kind of described that those are some of the profiles that exist. And I just can't um, emphasize employers enough to not only to sponsor, but to have your team show up and show out and really get to know people because I'm also encouraging the the um, what would be candidate and attendee that the more that you can meet people face to face and get involved in your local community is when you really start to open your mind to a unique profile and when you're looking at hiring and when you're trying to figure out what that looks like and what does it mean to really support it a big piece of it is just framing, changing yeah. the way that you frame in your mind what a developer looks like and what they talk like and and stuff like that so um that's what's been really great to see is just I, it's take. I'm not going to say it's perfect by any means, but just over the course of three years, um, definitely seemed to because it's more than just doing a hiring event. In fact, I actually try not to do those where they're like, we want to host you and sponsor you to, to come host your organization and, and recruit. And I'm like, not everyone's looking for a job. They just may not, <laughs> you know, they may not want to come. They're like, gather up all your non-white friends and bring them yeah. to us. <laughs> You're like, no, it doesn't work like that. Yes, yes. <laughs> And That's so, not how you build trust yeah. and respect and a reputation in the community. Yeah, it's really, it's very challenging. What do you think, what do you think the biggest, I guess, flag or kind of, uh, what has been the biggest thing that has actually helped employers realize how important this stuff is and, and be willing to spend the money and, and put the work in? Because it seems like things have changed pretty drastically, I would say, in like the last five years mm-hmm. from you know, some of the stuff that you and I were doing community wise Mm -hmm. to what we're both doing now, a lot has changed in that scene. What do you think kind of the catalyst for some of that change has been? You know, I don't know. I I think that they feel the pressure, the the larger community ecosystem tech reputation uh, pressure. But I also think that their team's you know, if you have a team that all looks alike, does the exact same work, and you know, you get this really tribalism (laughs) um, can can really be pervasive. And then, then they start to struggle with, oh, we've hired someone who's different than the rest of our existing team. And then they quit six months in. Mm-hmm. And they realize like this can't be a it's not a one off thing. It's it's definitely in like an investment aspect and also conveying that message. They realize I think it really comes down to the the culture. They start realizing it's a piece of your retention. Like diversity and inclusion also becomes a piece of if somebody doesn't feel like they're at home and that they can be comfortable in your environment, then you're not gonna be able to keep them. So unless you're trying to oh and also honestly, I I take that back. The biggest pain point has been Rex are going open for six months. UI developers, for example, right now, like if you are not 
turning around quick feedback and going through a really great process and stuff like that, you're not going to be able to hire them. So yeah. now it's like, oh, wait, we can't look at the same profile because there's only so many of those people who can do those jobs. Oh, yeah. so we need to get a little creative about who we bring into those positions. And so I think it came down to supply and demand. <laughs> Good old supply and demand <laughs> um, can be the trigger point for that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I've definitely seen that as well coming from the coding bootcamp world where you know, some of my students at first were having a more difficult time in trying to sell themselves and then kind of coaching them and helping them understand their strengths when they're coming from a teaching background or something like that and helping those employers, like spending time with the employers and explaining like, hey, if you're hiring a teacher, you're hiring someone who has great time management skills. Mm -hmm. They're extremely resourceful. They are problem solvers. They don't have a lot of support and resources. They have to figure things out themselves. They have great conflict resolution skills because Mm -hmm. all they deal with are children all day. They can put up with a lot of bullshit. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Like, you know, they're all the skills that come with that. Mm. You're getting all that plus a development skill set. Mm -hmm. Like, the soft skills stuff is a lot of times much harder to teach somebody than a technical skill set. Not I'm not knocking anyone's technical skill set and yeah. saying that it's easy, but you know some of those soft skills stuff, the environments just don't lend themselves to learning that stuff. So I do think it's nice to see a change uh, in perspective from employers and then just being able to kind of build that out and see the through, and through line of what the potential for a team can be when you bring these people together and have all these different diverse perspectives. It's, it's really interesting. Well, and I think I've definitely am investing in, um, because of where all that stands, they've realized that that hiring process, the start time for that, you start looking and you start kind of putting the feelers out there, you know, up to three, four months in advance from when you actually need someone to start. Because if you have a project that you need to get out, a new website that's being launched, um, whatever that looks like, it cannot be something last minute. And so having the proactive conversations um, can help them get involved in the community to see that people are like that are different. I will say, though, that from the recruiting agency perspective, I can also understand how companies are also at a critical point a lot of the times, yeah. and this is where they really get into trouble. They get to a critical point, they're like, we need someone tomorrow. We need someone who can we can interview tomorrow, put in a two weeks notice and start with us two weeks later. And um, if they don't have all those pieces, you know, there's just, um, sometimes they have to have someone who can hit the ground running. They, they don't yeah. have time for someone to ramp up for for 30, 60, 90 days. They're like, we need someone who can come in and two weeks from now write brand new code that scales a website for us. And I will say that that, that, it, that does create a different type of profile, but ideally if people know about how cool of a company it is, it's not gonna be an impossible ask. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the questions candidates. I often get asked is, well, how soon are you hiring for? And I always how answer, soon are like, you hiring for? Yeah, like, well, how, how soon are you looking to hire someone? And it's like, well, you know, the answer is always as soon as possible if I have an open requisition. Mm-hmm. But the reality is I'm not going to hire on a deadline. I'm going to wait until I find the right person for the right fit. Mm-hmm. But that can be tricky sometimes. But I, I was, I've always loved this idea that it's like, oh, well, time's up. I guess I just have to pick one of these people. It's like, hmm. you know, I'm not going to pick the right, I'm not going to pick the person if they're not the right fit or we're not the right fit for them, right? Because it's a two-way street. But I always, 
I, I've always found it so odd coming from, you know, third party staffing. And I mean, everybody has the measurement where you're trying to, you know, decrease your time to hire. It's yep. obviously you, you want to get people through the process as quickly as possible. But the idea that things are magic and it's like, oh, well, I have to hire someone by next Friday. So somebody good better pop into my pipeline. Right. Like, you know, well, it's much, much better to do the passive recruiting. And then when you're ready to go, you've already got people warmed up to the idea and you can kind of put them through the final stages of your interview process, which makes for a better experience for everybody that's a question that interviewers and hiring managers have to ask themselves that just because they're pushing out a rec right then do you actually as the hiring manager as the person who is responsible for onboarding that person and training them do you have time to actually make time for interviews over the next two weeks do you have multiple slots open that if you find candidates are brought to you that you actually have time to interview them that's generally question number one the answer is usually no the answer is usually no Absolutely. But not only that. As someone who looks at Google Calendar literally all day trying to make these things work. Yes. And then it's like, okay, if they start in two weeks, do you have availability to even be a part of their onboarding and introduction into this company? And I think that's that's just the simplest piece of before we even talk about this. Yep. Let's look over the next month of your calendar. Does it realistically make sense for you to try and bring on a new employee that you want to invest in? Yeah. And if not start building out that time. <laughs> Do you sometimes find yourself having to make, like obviously if you're doing this in a, in a consulting um, way, you probably are mostly dealing with businesses that are coming to you, but do you ever have conversations maybe with people who aren't your clients where you're trying to explain the merit and value to this? Like, do you ever find yourself having to make the business case for diversity and inclusion and things like that to explain to businesses like, hey, this is how this is gonna affect your bottom line mm-hmm. if you do this? No, not really. Um, you know, I think it's in some cases it's either not talked about, you know, outside of an emphasis of, you know, if you know anyone, um, you know, especially like, do you know any diverse candidates that we can really make an effort? We, we really want to make an effort um, to diversify our team and we're passionate about it. You know, sometimes that can be a conversation and other, other times it's just a matter of, who, who can do this job um, as soon as possible. And so, um, yeah, it's not always a topic of conversation. Some of my first ones are, do you know who your ideal candidate would look like? Do you know what that background could be? And I, you know, I think I've given you an example before. It's like, are you, are, are you the company that's, you know, a, a fancy high rise in downtown Dallas, like in the heart of downtown and, um, you know, very corporate kind of buttoned up office? Or are you a fully distributed company where you have an employee retreat once a year and y'all meet up to go surfing together? Those are two very different types of personalities. And if you don't know who you are as a company, then it's going to be a little bit tougher. This is especially true for our direct hire placements when you're really going to have someone for the long term. A little bit different if you're hiring a contractor. You're like, come in, crush it move on yeah. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. in one way or another See ya. um not that it's not important but yeah you know what i mean um and so it's not always necessarily the diversity and inclusion conversation that i'm having to approach them about but it's like kind of that even earlier stage of who is the re- what is your company like and and why would somebody even want to come work for you that's the, the first question uh in that process <laughs> we're the kind of company that plays cornhole on the balcony yeah we, we don't surf but we do we play cornhole surf. so i saw that and i was like who's had a wily throw that somehow threw a beanbag over 12 the 12th only story one pattern? person's small child 
uh, we were observing <laughs> from inside. Okay. It's only one person, small child. Yes. Was like, a small child would. A small child. Body. This was someone's kid. We were. Uh, we had some kind of company event. I, I think it was what the it Easter was. thing. Maybe it was. The, yeah. Or not Easter. Uh, we were doing something. We were doing something. Yeah. And we were all. Most of us were inside and outside. A couple of the kids were playing cornhole. And there were a couple of rogue throws, and we were like, oh, boy. You know, someone should get out there and stop oh that kid because he's about to... There it oh, goes. Oh, there it goes. <laughs> <laughs> it just went right over the balcony. We were like, oh, no. So we had security Yeah, I don't think th- that we were throwing them off the balcony once. Yeah. And, you know, the head of security comes up here and is like, who's throwing stuff off the balcony? Like, we're not doing nothing. Like, but you can count the, the bags yeah. like we have. And then they sent... One of the security guards was on the ground like looking up at us yeah. like just waiting. with his hands on his hips yeah, looking all waiting for us, at us to throw it over because he wanted to, hooligans. yeah he wanted to catch us in the act i guess but yeah and then they yeah, came up they're like somebody in another building said you guys were throwing stuff off the balcony it's like calm down that's no just one's... another jealous building that yeah. <laughs> they, they're just wants to get they us in trouble yeah. In a yeah, balcony. Exactly. come on <sighs> yes <laughs> uh so to bring it back to so you mentioned earlier about um like the company that as of right now, their team is like homogenous or whatever. Is that the right word? Is mm-hmm. that a fancy That's, word? Yeah. Dang. Look Dang. At Absolutely. Look. Dropping that vocal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so have you ever had conversations with or done any sort of like inclusivity training for these teams that are that are looking to like bring in a more diverse crowd and they like they might need to? Because you talk about the person who gets hired on and leaves six months later because they don't feel like they're... Yeah comfortable there like is there anything that should be said about like training and getting people to be more open to different people absolutely so i myself have not done that type of training where it's like what does this look like on a daily basis and how do you encourage your team to do this however the conversation has been um if you're going to hire them you do have to you know it's really more like are you planning planning to make those changes from just having your team outings always be out at you know i don't know if it's top golf or maybe it's always an evening happy hour in one way or another like that camaraderie has to be built in another type of way that includes them and um so i haven't done that type of training but then the other side of it too has been um Nope, totally just lost my own train of thought here because I looked at this light for some reason. It's just so bad. Oh. Which light? Oh, this light. No, this is going to be a great time lapse, by the way. You're just going to see all of us like turn and look in a weird way. Um, oh, I said slow motion. It's time lapse. That's the exact opposite of slow motion. <laughs> so I started off as like, this is a slow motion episode. I'm going to cut that part out, actually. There you go. That's I think you I, should leave it. That's how I see it. And then when we we can post the time lapse and be like, this is our slow motion. Here's podcast. our slow motion time lapse. <laughs> We're so fast. It's not slow. Yeah. Um, okay, so what I what I was going to say is I haven't done that day-to-day training <laughs> about how a team um, actually changes their own behavior outside of how they convene and create that camaraderie. But I've also had to have the conversations where we are all the same and we really want to bring in some diversity. So we're just going to really hold out and really hope that you can bring us some diverse candidates. They're just looking to check a box kind of thing? No, not even. I'm saying you can't hold back the process just to be able to bring in diverse can like I completely understand. Oh, I see you're, what you're saying. Yeah, like your yeah. whole team may may be the same or come from even the same background. Do you mm-hmm. know? I mean again, it's really not just race and it's not just gender. Yeah. There's intersectionality and all those things. 
So, but you also can't hold up your process, you know, and I've had to have that conversation too. I'm like, you I totally, I'm like, I appreciate that you want to be inclusive. However, you can't turn down, you know, it really is just the equality. And if you're doing the right things and that's not going to be an issue, but you have to be in the right places to be able to do that. So, yeah, I got you. But there are a couple of people that I definitely recommend um, who do like intercultural communication that help you understand, okay, someone coming um, from Latin America who's now in the U.S., here's what their perspective and what that even, um, what their cultural norms are mm -hmm. and how they're adapting to where you can try to understand that perspective. I'll actually never forget, I went to a conference um, several years ago and it was around um, how you build and grow your team and they started out with the meditation and it was like, if every person and if every company could do, um, they did a two minutes of silence before your interview, mm. it almost like mm. even keels everyone and kind of also adds this level of intentionality into how you're going into an interview. And I was like, ah, I feel like some people would think it's so woo. And in reality, yeah. we're talking, even if it's two minutes of silence to where everyone who's interviewing that person has two minutes of silence beforehand, really can level set. I yeah. would imagine a candidate would really appreciate that to get two minutes of like, okay, because your nerves are always really high and like you're going in there and you're trying to get all your thoughts straight. At least I am when I go in interviews. Yeah. So yeah, having some like silence for just two minutes. You don't, you don't have to worry about that anymore because you work yeah, here. Yeah, right. you're right. <laughs> you're not going anywhere. Don't ever Don't think talk to me right. about interview strategies. Um, <laughs> but you actually... He's like, oh, no. Oh, oh boy. Oh, no. Oh, God. You, She's on to me. You touched on something I'm really, really passionate about. I get really stoked about this. So listen, like everyone is promoted into management without having been trained on how to interview effectively. And yeah. now your job is on the line yeah. to hire effectively and manage a great team. You've most likely been trained on neither of those things. And so I was running into that all the time. Candidates were coming out of interviews with clients of mine and were like... Yeah, I'm not interested. Like, that was a terrible interview. <laughs> yes. They have no idea what they want. And I was yeah. like, okay. So I went back to the team and I started creating something that now I have a workshop called Recruit and Interview with Confidence, specifically for hiring managers. How do you drive an effective interview besides tell me about yourself? Bro, tell me about yourself <laughs> is not an effective interview question. I don't even care if it's the first one that you ask them. It's irrelevant. And somebody could talk about their long walks on the beach when clearly you're asking them about when was the last time you deployed an app, in, you know, an Android app into the app store. Like if that's what we're trying to get to know, then we need to ask questions that create a funnel effect that help you really and in, in open-ended questions that are not yes, no answers from a candidate. All these different things. So I've created a workshop on really how to be able to drive an interview that helps you understand and evaluate a candidate. And so I think that's that's a big piece of it, too, is is helping hiring managers actually. They're just as nervous most of the time. <laughs> and so setting intentionality before going into an interview is like, A, what am I trying to understand from them? But B, how can I be inclusive and think about them as a human? Yeah. Those two things are critical. So shout out to Caitlin and Russell for holding some interview prep for some people that were, so we're hiring a front end, we're looking for front end developers right now. Yeah. yeah. And some of us front enders who are going to be sitting in on these interviews have never done it before. And so we were given sort of a, a, a deck that they had put together of like, here's what yeah. you should and shouldn't do. Here's what we're, yeah. here's the questions we like to ask and here's what you should never ask, you know, and stuff like that, which was That's great. Awesome. Yeah. Really helpful. So, <clears throat> and, I, and I will say I was, yeah. I was really nervous about it the yeah. first time. Cause it, like you said, it's a really important task that you're 
taking on, you know, to interview yeah. somebody. So, yeah. And I mean, how would you, my perspective was like, how would anybody who's never done that know what they were doing? Like, how would you know what not to ask? You might think it's totally normal to be like, Oh, so do you have kids? Like, no, 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 no. Yeah. We don't ask. We don't ask that. And it's not, it's like, not relevant at all. To yeah. The not, job, not relevant yeah. at all to the job. Not. Unless you're hiring a nanny or something. Yeah. No, absolutely. And then maybe. So it was a lot of the training that I put together was very much all those things that you talked about, right? It's like, how that. do we, what types of questions do we ask? How do we ask them? Also, what I assumed Russell helped, but it could have been all of you. It was, it was all me. <laughs> okay. But I, you know, we, we collaborate a lot good. together, so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of, it was yeah. even some of like, what do you do if a person isn't responding well in the interview? Mm-hmm. Like, how do you handle that if they look or feel uncomfortable? How do we meet them at where they're at? Mm-hmm. How can we change our tactics? Because not everyone functions super well in an interview mm-hmm. where you're just sitting across the table grilling them with questions. Some people get really uncomfortable. Um, we had a designer uh, many months ago who interviewed with us. Many moons ago. Many moons ago. <laughs> uh, and this person was not, she was not very comfortable in the interview process of us just kind of peppering her with some questions, even though they were very directly related to work she was doing. You could just tell she just didn't function well. And so we pivoted and we were like, hey, do you have your portfolio with us? Do you, like, with you, do you want to just like connect to the screen? And we can, and it was like instantly, she was like sigh of relief. A different she could person. focus on the screen. She could talk about her work. And I was like, oh man, that was totally the right wow. call. Like total shift yes. in perspective. And it's like, those are the things that, because we're as a society we're so used to being like interviews are you sit across from someone and they ask you a million questions and that's what it is and you have to like it it's like no we need to meet people where they're at everyone's different you know if someone's sweating profusely in the interview like and they're uncomfortable let's try to figure out a way to make them more comfortable because at the end of the day even if they're not a right fit for the business you still want them walking away with a positive experience and so i think that that's super important because we're going to interview tons of people we may not be able to hire them all but I, at the end of the day i want them to be like yeah life blue was cool like Absolutely. i enjoyed that interview and i learned a lot and those people are somebody i would reach out to in the future because even that if it's is not the ultimate goal yeah if it's not today it might be two years from now and shout out to travis because travis was someone that we interviewed originally and we, it wasn't the right fit for both of us at the time mm-hmm. and then when and that was before i got hired and then after i got hired russell reached back out and was like hey that travis guy we need to hire him Um, And so it ended up kind of coming back full circle. But I think it is so much about like people don't know what they don't know. So how would I, how how could I possibly expect people who have never interviewed someone to Mm -hmm. just show up and be an expert at it? Mm -hmm. Like you need guidance, but I do think that's a thing that a lot of companies miss. And so then you leave your candidate with a terrible experience, which is just such a bummer. Well, in a well-structured interview, candidates get, um, they, they, they like to know that they're the one that you wanted to, you wanted to meet. Right. Like Mm -hmm. when they're like, yeah, I'm pretty sure that person didn't look at my resume or really know anything about me, but I think it was an okay interview. They didn't feel valued at all. And their time is valuable just as much. And I think that like you, you hit the nail on the head that if you create that positive experience, then you've got them where they might be like, Hey, I don't think I was a fit for this role, but I think, and so now you've got a referral network where people are like, and I mean, some of the best compliments are people who come out of it and saying, you know, I don't think it's maybe the right fit for me, but man, I actually learned something and that was a really great interview. So I hope I can stay in touch with them. I'm like, awesome. You know? um, And it means they're going to speak positively about the company too. Just even if they don't get the job, if we, you know, gave them a good experience or whatever and then didn't treat them like they were garbage or whatever. Yeah. Yes. Well, without a structured interview process, too, it's it's just a matter of if I'm joining the company and I know that you haven't you haven't asked me any hard questions and you also haven't really structured it very well, then that means everyone else that you've hired 
hasn't gone really through a structured process. Now, if you have a really structured, thoughtful, intentional process, top talent's going to recognize that and be like, that means that other people have gone through this same rigorous, I'm going to say rigorous, it doesn't necessarily need to be that way, but have gone through this same process. I'm going to be working with some top talent. That's like, you don't even have to mention it. They just notice it and they're going to be interested. And it means the company is structured and has like processes that they stick to, you know, they're just like throwing it together at the last minute. So there is one last thing that I, or I mean, depending on yeah. timing and yeah, stuff yeah. like that, there's one thing I wanted to mention that I think can really be helpful for the people who are like, well, how, if I don't have money to sponsor an event and, um, you know, we don't have a ton of time and whatnot to be able Where to get involved. Where do I start, Bree? Yes. How can I get proactive and be able to help get involved in the process earlier? And um, I think a big piece of that is recruitment marketing. You're already marketing to your customers and to your clients, but you need to be recruiting to your future candidates as well. So when you think about, well, no, our business has no business being on Instagram, maybe that whole sole purpose of your Instagram as a business for something else entirely speaks to a candidate and is using their language and is featuring content that is related to them. And so being able to have your careers page, not just say, we're hiring and here are the jobs that we have, but talking about showing some pictures from when you volunteered for something or, um, you know, there's a lot of different ways that that can look, yeah. but in the, and I'm not even talking about adding extra budget, but really changing your messaging and what it looks like. Um, and so there's a couple of different ways that I approach that. That's definitely what I've built a piece of what I've built into the business as well as everything related to your careers page and recruitment marketing. Yeah. Um, you know, the content and the copy that goes behind that is is something that I've worked to offer because I think it's the um, budget-friendly aspects that play the long game. For sure, for sure. I definitely uh, could imagine that we could turn this probably into an episode series where we have you back occasionally because there are so many things. I mean, we just barely scratched the surface um, of this. We didn't talk anything about strategies or tools or so many of the different things like, you know, we could, you could spend a whole episode just talking about how do you work with language and job postings and yeah. things like that. And, and the, the digital experience that people go through when they're actually applying for jobs and how that shapes companies Soul crushing well. most of them. Yeah. Feel <laughs> like Please attach your resume. Also enter your resume into this really crappy form from 10 years ago. There is no silver bullet to it. I will tell no. you. And you know, AI is helping, but um, you know, I just think that, invest in humans as much as the technology that you have because there's no replacement no it'll be a it'll be the long game well on that note so yeah i mean i imagine we would love to have you back at some point to keep this discussion going but for now um how can people find you how can businesses connect with you if they're uh they're picking up what you're putting down and they're interested in hiring you um how can maybe people who are interested in women's tech co find you um, so they can all come the to things. the next commonality lunch. Yeah, Tell don't us all tease the me things. with a good time of, of joining you guys again. That'd be a lot of fun. <laughs> um, we'll so, reschedule like, like three times. Probably. Yeah, <laughs> probably. It's fine. Um, yeah, you can find me at breecrow.co. So that's my website. That's my Instagram. That's just nice a ring to nice it. ring to it. I know. Breecrow.co. Yes. And Bree is B-R-I-C-R-O-W. <laughs> Not Bri. Um, yeah, so breecrow.co. <laughs> Um, you can find me on LinkedIn that way. And then um, womenstechco.com. And we've got a great LinkedIn page. We've got our Facebook, all of those things. You can find us across all those social platforms. But yeah, breecrow.co. Um, and my email is hello at breecrow.co. Would happy to be answering any of your questions. Just have an exploratory conversation um, to get started about what are the first steps you need to be taking. 
I love that. Yes. Thank you so much for making the long trek from Addison up to Plano. <laughs> Ooh, Addison. I used to work you, in Addison. You might be one of our closest guests apart from people who work here. Uh, oh, yeah. You might be the guest that, that uh, had to come. The not, least. Yeah, the, the least distance. Thank you for coming in. Thank you we for having me. We hope to have me. you yes. back soon. And uh, we would love to hear some updates about where things go from here for, for you. So thanks for taking the time. Thank you for having me. And um, I love what you guys are talking about. Thank Yay. you. Yay.